What can we say is happening to nurses and the nursing profession at this monumental time in history? Where are we headed while faced with such an existential crisis? And what do nurses need? Let's dig deep with nurse, thought leader, and well-known nurse writer Carol Gino right here on episode 307 of The Nurse Keith Show. So hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm still bringing you my monthly pandemic updates at the end of every month. Meanwhile, this podcast continues to be all about you, your personal and professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and often informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or maybe even years. And I thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And remember, head over to nursekeith.com if you want to learn about holistic career coaching for nurses and healthcare professionals. And you get 10% off your first coaching package if you mention the show. The show notes for this episode where you can learn all about today's guest will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 307. And today we're joined by my very, very dear friend and colleague, Ms. Carol Gino, author, nurse, thought leader, and just incredible human being living on this planet who happens just to be an incredible nurse with quite a story behind her as well. So Carol, I'm really glad to have you here and we're going to dive into the deep end. We're not going to we're not going to just waste our time, you know, chatting about the weather. So what do you think it means these days in this time of the pandemic and the existential crisis we're all facing that nurses are further out front in terms of the media and they're also working so very hard and are under so much pressure at home and in their careers. So what does it mean to you in this context right now? Hi, Keith. Um, and hi, nurses all. What it means to me is I watch this on television and I see the uh, thank you frontline responders and everything. And I think to myself, this is a time that I've prayed for my whole life for nurses to get the kind of recognition they do. They seem to now. But at the same time, I am so acutely aware that the public is so unaware that even dur during usual times, nurses have to face this kind of existential, if you will, uh, these kind of existential problems, because I remember working with isolation patients. I remember working and when on cases where I had to come home and take my clothes off in the garage before I said hi to the kids. And to hear this sound like it's happening just now is both um, troubling, but also my heart sings with such gladness that at least they're getting some acknowledgement. And yet, when I think about how often we've put ourselves in positions where we've been endangered to help our patients, I'm so acutely aware that I wrote a book 30 years ago that's talking about the same situation and 
It's a classic now. And as you said, Keith, a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. How do we keep these great people from burning out, especially those people who come to nursing with a calling, with an ideal to want to help and make better for people? And and yet the healthcare system supports none of what we come in to it with and doesn't offer any support services along the way. Mm. How did this happen to us and why do we allow it? Right. And I want to talk about your book in a little bit. And so you mentioned, you know, people mentioning nurses being heroes and all that. And, you know, it's lovely that you see those signs, thank you, heroes, and heroes work here and people banging pots and pans at 7 p.m. for nurses, even though no nurse actually gets out of work at 7 p.m., but it's the thought that counts. But we're recording this just before Thanksgiving of 2020, and it's now 2021 when people are hearing this. But right now at this very moment, uh, President-elect Biden has a new advisory board for the COVID pandemic that he has named and everyone on it is a doctor or a scientist. There's not a single nurse or psychologist or social worker or respiratory therapist or EMT or paramedic. So yes, we're being thanked as heroes and people are banging pots and pans and all that kind of stuff. But do nurses really have that the power? And I know you're really big on nurses claiming their power do they have it? Can they claim it? Yeah. And how do they claim it? <laughs> no, they don't have it. They don't have it. And in the new year, I'm going to start. I'm telling you, it's really hard to get people sometimes to respond. Sometimes I'm going to run something as a support group and to help uh, teach power strategies to nurses and stuff. But then again, we have to decide whether nurses are willing to stand for mm -hmm. themselves as well and stand for themselves instead of standing mm -hmm. against each other. Because, mm -hmm. Keith, if, if there are three million of us, if for two days we decided to walk out, I mean, the whole healthcare system would have to change. Right. And there are walkouts happening in different places around the yes. country because of the lack of PPE and, and what have right. you. Right. But it's the same problem we're having all along, only more extensively, more extreme. Tell okay? me more about that. So what, what okay. is that? Okay. What that is, is we're all complaining now about the shortage of supplies. Right. But- how many nurses know that while doctors have contracts, hospitalists have contracts, uh, maintenance people have unions to represent them, and nurses have to do all the rest. We come out of their expense budget. So anytime a corporation has to cut their expenses to raise their profits, they can cut nurses too, which means that's when the nurse patient ratio goes down again mm -hmm. because it's an unseen thing. Imagine having a hospital with a sign above it saying, we don't have enough doctors to take care of you tonight. Mm -hmm. How right. many people, how many people would go into that hospital and feel confident? And yet, you know, when I started writing, I did it out of passion and desperation because I so wanted patients to know that doctors don't save your life. Nursing does. Now I'm willing to say, okay, a team does. But if a nurse doesn't know as much 
She can't even get the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and people I'm watching the numbers go up. I'm watching the cry for supplies. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm listening to the nurses who are getting to a level of burnout in a month that it took us maybe three years to get to now. Right. Because of the the intensity of what they're going through right now and the the what's being asked of them at this point in time. It's it's always being asked of them, but they call it burnout. They call it burnout, where I do believe that moral injury is a much more apt title for what happens because we are we go in to help people we go in to care for them and the system makes it almost impossible for us to do that so moral injury i i i really like that way of looking at compassion fatigue because i think compassion fatigue and 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 burnout burnout we've become a little inured to what they even mean i think but so, even Even more than that, more than that, Keith, look what they're saying. They're saying you can't take it. If Mm -hmm. they're saying burnout, they make it the nurse's problem. I see. So the nurse is burnt out. Right. Right, Because she wasn't tough Tough enough enough. on how to do it. Okay. Compassion fatigue meant you got tired tired. of feeling compassion. No, it's moral Moral injury. injury. It is something that, uh, it's it's almost like pretending that we're living in normal times now. This is not truth. Mm-hmm. It's not compassion fatigue. It's not burnout. It's the fact that human beings should not have to walk through the shadowlands without support, without acknowledgement, without recompense, without at least acknowledgement that we're putting them in a situation that they would wind up with PTSD the way soldiers do. Mm-hmm. How is are. this different? Yeah. Right. And and we do have, I've talked about this on the show before. We we do have data that we lose, well, this is prior to COVID, approximately an average of one doctor a day to suicide, 400 a year, more or less. I haven't really seen any firm data about nurses, but we're assuming that it's that or much more, but we're not really talking about it. And just the other night, someone sent me a video via Twitter of a nurse in either South Dakota or North Dakota. I think you may have seen it. And she was talking about, and this sounds like moral injury to me. She was talking about the ire and anger of the patients with COVID who are dying. And when she would ask them if they wanted to call their families, they would say, no, I'm not dying and the virus isn't real. And yes. Did you see that? Yes, I did. And I did, and I read it me. several times. You yeah. did. You did. Yeah. So if we if we rewind back to your first book, To a Nurse's Story, which you published in 1982. 82. Okay, 1982, the year I graduated from high school. Okay. So, <laughs> so you and I have talked about it being a cautionary tale, and you've said that yeah. not a whole heck of a lot has changed since 1982. No, I wanted I wanted to update it. Yeah, and there's nothing to update. Nothing to update. So if we look at a nurse's story, which is a classic, right? It's a classic of nursing literature. Yeah, it's a beautiful, incredible book, and that's how we first met when you first sent me a copy. I think yeah. <laughs> many years ago. So 
what's the crux of the story? What is the character's, what's her main, I don't know, moral dilemma? I, th- I think what it is, is for me, because I made it a composite of myself and other young nurses mm-hmm. who go into nursing with a calling to try to help people. I wanted to stamp death and disease out of the Western hemisphere. And I thought if I loved enough, if I cared enough, if I worked hard enough, if I tried enough, I really could make a big difference. And then I go through a series of different patients to show their heroism, Mm -hmm. other nurses' heroism, doctors' heroism. I mean, what a great place to see the heroic in human beings. I mean, you know, we look at the Olympics to see somebody ran a three-minute mile and we say, or a four-minute mile, I never remember that. And we say, that's our potential. I wrote that book to show our human potential, Mm. our capacity as human beings to live in our full humanity. As nurses as well, within the context of being a nurse. Yes, or as being a nurse and seeing the heroic in patients and Mm. how they trust us. And at one point, I remember on a talk that I was giving uh, lately about why I chose to write, and that was, you know, it sounds corny, but the pen is mightier than the sword. But Mm -hmm. I sold over a million of those books. Mm -hmm. I touched a hell of a lot more people. You know, but the fact is, I was able with that book to touch the public. Mm-hmm. What what happened in it, what I was explaining was this whole pandemic thing is we call it a virus, you know, and it is a virus, but it's almost like trying to attack a fever. Hmm. What's behind the pandemic is what I call the soul demic is what I started on Facebook, uh, a thing called Soul-demic, because it's the greed and corruption and separateness mm-hmm. that is behind that that's causing a lot of the grief. This is, for me, a spiritual reset, an evolutionary reset for humanity. Hmm. Let's look at our priorities. Let's see why we are willing to pay so much more to people who manage our money, then save our lives. That's a very, very good point, Carol. That's a very good point. And I've been talking about this so much lately, but I'm going to say it to you here, and I've probably said it on other episodes too. So I've know, I know people who work in the film industry here in Santa Fe, right? And in LA. And when they go into the set or wherever they're working to work on the film, people are tested sometimes four to five times a week, sometimes daily, rapid and PCR tests, right? And then we have football, baseball, et cetera. They're getting tested sometimes every single day. And I have friends who work in COVID ICUs who've never been tested by their employers. So there's something about, you just said, what did you say? You said about resetting our priorities, that it's this this huge context of the pandemic, which you then recharacterized as a soul-demic in saying that it gives us a collective opportunity to look at our priorities, right? So what does it say about our priorities in terms of what we were just sharing? Look at now who we're calling the heroes. Yes. Rose, they're service workers. Yes. Okay. 
what does it say about nurses? And you can, you know, you can put something on this that says I'm not responsible for this woman's opinion. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but, but, but my thought is I have been trying to reach nurses for 30 years to try to help empower them. Mm -hmm. And because they care so much about the patients and because sometimes they're single households where they have to feed their families and stuff, they still act in a lot of ways like battered spouses. Mm -hmm. How do you get them to stand for themselves instead of attacking each other? You know, we talk about bullying, Mm -hmm. but the underlying problem with bullying is there's not enough self-love. There's not enough, and I don't mean self-only love. Right. I understand. There's not enough appreciation for what a phenomenal group nurses are. Mm-hmm. They fight with each other because why? We're low men on the po- totem pole. Why? You think it's, inter- is it internalized oppression? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Abuser- system. Right. Well, if you have a matriarchy, you have more of a circle. True. So it's hard. You have the patriarchy, you have a hierarchy. We do. Right. Okay. But once nurses learn how to team, and this is why I think it's so great that little girls are now learning how to play team sports and stuff, because when it was only women in nursing or mostly women in nursing, um, I mean, women would compete for a bad man and a bad job. Why would we do that now? Right, right. when there's Why more choices. Why would we not? If we need to learn something from men, it certainly is that a hero's journey is different from a heroine's journey, and there are different strengths, not, not worse or better, mm. but different. Also, men team, and they know they have to pull the whole team with them. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we... Do you know, Keith, think about it. How do we support each other as nurses? If one nurse writes a book and everybody bought one book, I don't care if it's a Kindle, Mm -hmm. how much would we teach the public about what nurses do? There are three million of us. Mm -hmm. We'd only have to do that. We don't have to pay A&A dues if we disagree with them. But we certainly should be looking at each other and saying, Good job, whatever mm. you're doing. How can I support you? Right. Yes. So, the- yeah. So when we come back from break, Carol, I want to talk about this notion of nurse power more and your idea about how to how to bring that about, how to manifest it. And then I want to dip a little bit into this notion of the shadow, which you and I were messaging about. And also, I'd like to mention a little bit or have you talk about the conversations that you and your partner, Mario Puzo, had about power struggles between men and women. So we're going to dig into that when we come right back for the second half. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Nurse Keith. 
And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. All right. Welcome back to the second half of the Nurse Keith Show, episode 307. And we're here with my dear friend and friend of the pod, nurse visionary and author, Carol Gino. And Carol, we've been riffing for the last half hour about power and empowerment. And you mentioned nurses often acting like battered spouses in the context of their jobs, which I think is a fairly apt metaphor that you've used before, but I haven't heard from anyone else. And we mentioned your book, A Nurse's Story, which is a classic, sold over a million copies. The Nurse's Story. The Nurse's Story. Nurse's Story is a bit That's different. a different book. book, right? The Nurse's Story. That's right. I always do that. So, Carol, talking about well, let's talk about women because women are 90-ish percent of the profession still. I mean, yeah. I became a nurse in 96. Men were about 5% then. Now we're at 9 to 10%. So, and that's, that's 25 years. It's just a slow, it's a slow evolution yeah. for men in the profession. However, I was reading an article on November 17th in the New York Times, and it was talking about the cost to working women regarding the pandemic. So it discussed the inequitable distribution of the burden of childcare and household upkeep and chores between working men and working men, women, even if they earn similar salaries and make and and earn, work about the same number of hours per week. The childcare care of the home falls on the woman. The woman, more often than the man, will give up her job in order to stay home with the children who are telecommuting to school, right? They're doing distance learning. And they talk about how women dominate jobs in healthcare, restaurants, retail, and state government. And those are the first jobs often to be cut when things go awry, except manufacturing sometimes. But in these days, these are the areas that are being cut and it's affecting women. And you and I have had a lot of conversations at your house and on the phone about your relationship with Mario Puzo, the author of The Godfather. He was your partner for many, many years. You were very devoted to each other and mm -hmm. you kind of engaged in parallel play. You would both write simultaneously in the same room, right? So you and he had some interesting conversations about women and men and the power struggles historically between women and men. How could we use some of that to contextualize what I was just talking about? I think that um, one of the things that Mario always said is that power for women is different from power for men. 
that you had to have equal personal power in a relationship Mm -hmm. so as to have a good personal relationship. But women's power was essentially internal because they spent all their time at home multitasking, taking care of the kids, taking care of the house in making a million decisions. And I'd say to him, what is that less than a man has to make in the outside world? And he said, not less at all. He said, with the children, you're talking about life and death decisions moment to moment. Mm -hmm. A man only has to worry about something different. But a man has personal power. He executes in an outer world. So what happens is, he said, really, no woman should ever even think about going out with a man until he's over 50, because at that point, he has begun to understand the business of powerlessness that a woman feels because young men are starting to come in and replace them in big business and mm. stuff. And he said, where women have spent all that, all that time having to build up their inner resources so that they're, even if they're working and they have a job, that's integrated into their whole idea of self. When men lose a job, they suddenly are thrown into their inner resources, which they haven't spent any time developing. And therefore, a man over 50 finally begins to understand what a woman's frustration comes like, or no matter what their um, education is or their experience, or they're treated as less than just hmm. because they've reached a certain age and stuff. And the, the anger that comes up with that and everything, but the understanding is monumental, you know? Right. Um, and, and you and he, in, you've written a lot about your relationship with Mario, and yeah. you and he battled yeah. it out often. And he talked about relationships between men and women in a certain way. And you all had yeah. very interesting used, conversations about it. Yeah. He used to say things like this, watch a young couple at the beginning, a young Italian couple at the beginning. He's walking ahead and she's saying, yes, boss. Yes, chief. Yes. Flash forward 40 years. He's walking behind her and saying, what, mama? What are we doing, mama? Where are we going, mama? (laughs) (laughs) Like that. But in a lot of ways, I wouldn't say Mario and I battled things out because, you know, Keith, uh, Mario refused to provoke. He would not be engaged hmm. in um, any kind of, if you will, angry discourse. If okay. I had something to say to him, I could say anything to him. Mm-hmm. And we would then discover how we were going to try to make this work. But uh, we didn't actually fight, you know, but it was something that showed me much more how uh, men would think, you know, Um, because he would tease. He would say, I'd say, what are you thinking? And he'd say, Carol, nothing. And he said, try to remember this. If you ask a man what he's thinking and he says nothing, he's thinking nothing. If you ask a woman what she's thinking and she says nothing, no, she's plotting. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) 
<laughs> he actually was very funny. He, yeah, I, I can tell from all your stories, written and, and verbal. So, Carol, so in terms of women now, and let's let's focus on nurses who are women. Let's focus on, yeah. on them, right? The preponderance yeah. of nurses who are bearing the brunt of this time we're in right now. Child yeah. care, keeping yeah. a home. You were saying a lot of them might be single moms and have children at home. Right. What do they do? Right. How do they manage? Uh, what I'm thinking right now is men seem to have gotten the idea that in unity, there's strength. Women, because they didn't used to play team sports, don't seem to understand that by knocking each other, they weaken themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that because I had such a great love of the, the patients, the heroes I saw in nursing. I mean, nursing is boot camp for life. It is. There is no other profession that you can go into that prepares you how many how many nurses get calls in a week from their friends or their families saying, should I t go to the doctor? I mean, do you think I'm sick enough that I should? I mean, you spent I mean, you save thousands of dollars on how on just going to a doctor. That's very and true. Stuff like that. Yeah. But more than that, we walk in the shadowlands. I mean, we see the fragility how fragile human beings are. We see the ugliness. We see we have to face death. Mm -hmm. We have to see disease. Mm -hmm. We are with fear. We have to deal with fear all suffering. the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huge all amounts of, this. of suffering. Yes. And how much of this and what kind of abilities do we build up? when we learn to integrate some of this stuff rather than build walls or set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I'm horrified and outraged and upset mm -hmm. by the fact that when I was a nurse, we had, we had secretaries, we had unit secretaries to take notes. We are spending time taking notes for corporations instead of sitting with our patients, listening to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. What do they not teach us in nursing school? They teach us no, there's not one course called emotions in nursing. Mm -hmm. What do you do the first time somebody dies and bleeds all over you? Mm -hmm. What do you do the first time you see something that makes you really want to throw up? Mm -hmm. What do you do? Like when you were on the burn unit years ago. Oh, my right? God. Yeah. When I was on the burn unit. Well, we won't even talk about that. I mean, that was, but what <laughs> happens like when I took care of that woman with mycosis fungoides and she was so lonely that she had never had lunch with anybody. And I said, okay, I'll eat lunch with you. And just out of sheer relief and gratitude, she reached over and she hugged me and the skin on her face stuck to my face. Mm -hmm. And for one time, the two of us were wearing the same skin. Mm. I mean, how often in life do you touch that level of intimacy? Yes. Where we realize that there are no masks. Right. And you have this contention that people talk a lot about these days about we have to face our shadow, right? Our personal shadow. And I've written about the organizational shadow. That's a whole nother conversation. But like you just said, nurses walk in the shadow lands. That's, that's an, a wonderful quote from you that I'm always going to remember. Yes. And more important, Keith, than even that. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I don't want to cry on this one. 
it occurs to me because we spend so much time in the shadows mm-hmm. that our shadow is the light. Mm-hmm. That we spend so much time in suffering mm-hmm. that our shadow is joy. Mm-hmm. And that we are embarrassed and afraid and guilty and shamed if we have a better life than, or if we find ourselves happy when there's so much suffering around us, if we can still feel joy, if we deserve joy. You know, the, the flip side of the healer is the martyr and the flip side of the savior is the avenger. Can you say that again? Oh, okay. The flip, the flip side? side of the healer, healer. is the martyr mm-hmm. in the archetypes. Okay. The flip side of the savior is the avenger. Hmm. And how do you relate that to what you were just saying around nurses suffering? Okay. Because when we're faced and inundated and overwhelmed by all of this in the human condition, mm-hmm. what do we do with it? The healer in us becomes the martyr in us if we're not careful. And the savior in us becomes the avenger. And what we do is we turn on each other. We blame each other for something that's in God's territory or destiny's territory or whatever. And and so avenger in this particular context is you're thinking of that more in a pejorative sense. Yeah, the Avenger, not like the good superheroes. The Avenger like the bullies who bully each other in nursing. Oh, avenging their own suffering. Right. The oppressors oppress. I see. That's the internalized oppression coming outward. Yes. And until we can look at another nurse, like older nurses look at younger nurses and think, they're such inter- entitled little wax or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, whatever they say. I think of them as spirit warriors sent in against the corporations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the millennial and nurses. nurses yes, yeah, bring them on. Younger nurses look at older nurses and say they can't use a com- computer, but they know how to care about people yeah. to the depth of their soul. Yeah. And yeah. if we could, if we can unite and if we could if we could value each other, mm-hmm. make a list, man, of what nurses do. Oh, that would make be a, a long, long list, list, Carol. Okay. And then ask what somebody should be paid for this or how much respect somebody should get for this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they're doing, Keith? Now watch television and you'll see that they've given female doctors the attributes that nurses have. Hmm. When was the last time you saw a doctor sit on a bed and play a guitar so so a, a patient could sing? You know, but that's I mean, what they on. do in the media, especially in film and movies. The doctors swoop right. in and hang the right. IV and do all the right. stuff when it's actually the right. nurses in real life. But and now doctors aren't even your own doctor. They're hospitalists who don't even know the patients. Mm -hmm. The nurses are the ones who know the patients. But the hospitalist doesn't walk around with a guitar. They don't? Yeah. Like Patch Adams or whatever? No. So, So, Carol, let me circle back to something you said, and circle's actually the right word. So you said, when women are in charge, truly in charge, you have a matriarchy and it's circular. And when you have men in charge, you have a patriarchy and it's hierarchical. So I've read about and had conversations with people about more and more women entering medicine 
specifically, and I know a lot of young women who've entered medicine, entering medicine, and you could hear this amazing woman who's a medical resident, Jamie Katuna, on episode 195 with her mom, Patty Fay. And I have hope that these millennial female doctors are going to come in and not just kind of get, get co-opted into the patriarchal hierarchical system, but create something new. Do you have hope that that could happen? That it could be kind of, could, could be turned a little bit? Is that possible? In a corporate setting, <laughs> is it possible? What I'm thinking even more is that when I was a nurse, um, on the floors and working actively all the time. Right. There right. were several doctors who offered to send me to medical school. Hmm. And I refused because it's a different job description. I wanted the intimacy of the caring. Now that scientists are even acknowledging that human beings are energetic, Yes. There's a power in the unseen in healing. Mm -hmm. Nurses have that. I'm more afraid that the nurses who go to be doctors or women, I'm hoping that what they'll do is incorporate the caring into the doctoring, but incorporate settings now when we're talking about capitation and stuff, the setting is wrong. We've mm -hmm. got to break down the this healthcare system to make it different. So I guess. I guess part of what you're intimating here then is that can these, or is it possible for these young, amazing, thoughtful, compassionate, caring, incredibly brilliant millennial women going into medicine, how can they come into this corporate setting that's patriarchal in its, in its hierarchical setting and actually change it from the inside. And it sounds like for, from your point of view, that's a very tough road to hoe. I think that like I asked when I teach the writing courses in the corporate, what's your goal? Mm -hmm. If your goal is to make money, you're writing a different kind of book and you're writing if your goal is because you have a calling to do it or you want to advocate for something. If a woman wants to go into the healthcare system because she likes the idea of money and power, mm -hmm. then she should be a doctor if that's what appeals to her. If she's one of these brilliant, amazing people like you talk about who understands what nursing could be, then she should go be a nurse practitioner and fight legislatively. There's a lot of jobs that you can be a nurse and make a difference, mm -hmm. you know, but they first have to understand people first have to understand what a nurse is. Hey, Keith, this is 200 years since Florence Nightingale. It is was indeed. Born. This is 200. And remember Florence Nightingale was the image I saw before I ever went into nursing. So I do think that nurses with a calling are maybe a different breed, but I do think, all of us can acknowledge the greatness in all of us as nursing, because what is better than one person offering to, and I don't use, I don't like the word sacrifice, but offering themselves to help another. Mm, not as a martyr, not as a martyr though. Right? Not as a martyr, no. not to the, but what are soldiers? Yes. Why do, I mean, Soldiers become disposable. Nurses become disposable. Mm -hmm. Why 
Why do we as a society allow that? I always use the term cannon fodder for nurses, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is if the public understood what we were to them, Mm -hmm. they would then stand behind us the same way as they bought my book. Because do you realize how they've muzzled us now? Mm -hmm. Nurses today can't tell the stories of the patients the way I did. Mm -hmm. We can't Mm -hmm. tell the way Echo and I, Echo Heron and I Mm -hmm. wrote at that time. I'm trying to get Echo on Mm -hmm. also so we can have a Zoom meetup for nurses. And Lori Brown, too. Lori Brown's wonderful. Right. Who is who can tell us the legal pitfalls and stuff. And then we can decide what we're willing to do. How do we tell our stories? And just to circle back really quick, and then we have to start to close, but what you were saying about the, the young women going into medicine, some of them are, they are going into medicine. They're not becoming nurse practitioners. And part of my hope here is that if we get those women into those positions of power as doctors and they approach that system from a different vantage point and appreciate the nurses for who they truly are, could those relationships be somewhat different? And I, I hold that hope anyway. I do well, hold the hope. To, to reinforce your hope, <laughs> I have Go had several women doctors call me during this time. That's a good sign. That's, That's an excellent sign. sign. Right. My um, historical perspective on it is that women in power uh, somehow get sucked into the, it's the seduction of power mm-hmm. at that point. But I do believe if it keeps going the way it goes now, because if you look at it now, doctors don't have the kind of power they had when I was doing nursing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Doctors don't, will not have the endurance. Mm-hmm. Nurses will still endure longer. Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking is if nurses would go, we have to we have to understand and appreciate who we are. If we can't monetize it, this world in a capitalist world, it's hard to value it. Mm-hmm. I think we have to, as human beings, during this reset, we have to look at what we're missing. I mean, what we're longing for. Mm-hmm. And what brings us comfort Mm -hmm. and how much we need each other. The social isolation is, uh, I mean, it'll teach us how much we need to. Right. It is. So I'm hoping in publishing the women publishes and they were tougher than any of the men. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that we have to switch it. People have to begin to see the value. We have to turn the dial. So that service becomes more value and money becomes less. And it will, because even now, when you think about it, what good does it do if we open everything up, if nobody has any money? Mm -hmm. What good is it if we don't have universal health care, as long as we're all shopping in the same supermarkets, going to the same theaters? If we don't cover all of us, we cover none of us. Mm -hmm. So you're saying if we can value service, that is one of the first steps, right? We must, Mm -hmm. we must, but we must be able to honor what we do as heroic. Mm -hmm. And, and it's our three or four minute mile. Yes. One of us who give up 
some of ourselves for another human being. I mean, there is nothing great. Look, you live in love or you live in fear. Mm -hmm. And what allows you the opportunity for pure and unconditional love the way nursing does? Very little, very little. And speaking of, of love, Carol, and service. So as we close, how can people learn about what you do, the workshops, the, the writing, and all the spiritual writing you've done over the years? How can people yeah. learn about it and how do they find you and connect with you so that they can hear more of this? Because these are important messages. Yeah, I think that carolgino.com, get onto my email list, <laughs> January on, I've decided I've got to do something, you know. I've spent a lot of time pondering this. And now that I feel I'm in a rare position because nobody can punish me for anything (laughs) and I'm not responsible for anybody now but me and the people I care about. They can go to the Soul Demic Facebook page. Yes, or Hopeful Healer or Carol Gino Author. But my website is carolgino.com. Okay. And they can get on a list there and they can reach me on any of the, just put my name in. Great. And I do highly, highly recommend The Nurse's Story. And there'll be a link to the uh, Amazon where they can purchase The Nurse's Story. And also a link to your publishing house, Starwater Press Limited, which you founded back in the 80s. Yeah, but I changed it into AHA Books. Oh, AHA for, Books. That's yeah, right. now it's AHA Books. But if they go to carolgino.com, they'll, they'll find, find everything. All, everything I do on there. And I'll be, I'll have a whole bunch of stuff going out from now on, Keith. Hey. So Carol, I guess I guess the 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 final message for nurses is what? What's the final thing to leave people with right now in this moment? Okay. My whole thing is the biggest passion I've ever had in my life is nursing. The closest I've ever gotten to God is nursing. And I think if there were one profession in the world that we had an opportunity for, it would be nursing. And I think that because we're so valuable, we've got to get this healthcare system in place and get corporations to start valuing us. But first, we have to value each other and ourselves. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. Thanks, Keith. Hey, be safe, everybody. Well, there you have it. That's the amazing Carol Gino. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes, please head over to learn about Carol at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 307, or just go to carolgino.com. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered by Carol, and I hope you'll take some of her advice about finding ways to embrace your own personal power as a nurse and find the ways in which you want to show up in the world. The Nurse Keith Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts and media entities dedicated to professional education and partnering to improve social ills over at ArsLonga.media, A-R-S-L-O-N-G-A.media. The Nurse Keith Show is also a member of the Health Podcast Network, along with Sanjay Gupta, the Journal of the American Medical Association, Penn Nursing, the Mayo Clinic, and many others. It's the fastest growing collection of authoritative, high quality medical and nursing podcasts and a lot more. So check out healthpodcastnetwork.com. 
The Nurse Keith Show is produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, and that power, and keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my dear friend, Carol Gino, bidding you adios from, where are you calling from, Carol? Texas. I am calling from Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. Okay, thank you, Carol. Thank Thank you, you, everyone. And we will catch you on the flip side. 